What's up, BYU Radio friends? Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan here on the latest BYU Sports Nation. We discussed the recent staff changes for BYU football. Plus, how much better can it realistically get for BYU men's basketball this season? On the next episode, ESPN's Sean Farnham discuss how good he thinks BYU can be in the Big 12 and 19th ranked. Whoa! Listen on demand, Google BYU Sports Nation podcast, or tune in live at noon Eastern for BYUSN here on BYU Radio. BYU football officially into the offseason. Head coach Kalani Satake already making moves on his coaching staff. We'll react to those specific changes being made with former footballer David Nixon. And BYU men's basketball enters the AP poll for the first time in two seasons at number 19. How much better can it realistically get for BYU basketball this season? The Cougars' best player right now is probably Noel Waterman, who joins us to discuss his improved play, 6-0 being ranked in Fresno State on Friday. And Top 5 Tuesday features the greatest comeback wins in BYU history. Where does Friday's Elite 8 women's soccer game compare to the Miracle Bowl? Questions for days! Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Tuesday, November 28th. I am Spencer Linton alongside a man who loves Pop-Tarts more than most, Jerem Jordan. I do love Pop-Tarts. Uh, I think I've had two in the last three days. We talked about it this morning, and so I had one for breakfast, uh, like a 14-year-old. Uh, the Pop-Tart Bowl will have an edible mascot, by the way. <laughs> is so this your when... dream come true? No. My dream come true is that BYU would go to a bowl game. When the oh. final whistle blows, the winning team will celebrate by eating the pastry mascot. Is that sanitary? I think that's kind of weird. But it's a good PR move because here we are talking about it. They won. We're talking about it. Yeah, what do, you, what do you do to make that so that it doesn't crumble and fall apart? Well, And, and how, wanna... how long is the mascot out and even available to be seen? Or is it only revealed at the very end of the game? I don't know. Does he fall over and get grass and mud on it's, him? That's I, gross. I don't know. Where, what is the Pop-Tart Bowl? Is it the old Cheez-It Bowl or something? I, I don't have, even know what bowl I that is. I have no idea. All I know is it's one of 42. That's a lot of bowl games. And BYU um, wasn't, wasn't good enough to get into one of the 42. <laughs> so let's drown our sorrows in more Pop-Tarts. Best Pop-Tart flavor, by the way. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. Raspberry? Okay, you're a raspberry guy? Sometimes brown sugar. See, I'm just classic frosted strawberry guy. But a lot of people like the s'mores one. The Oreo cookie one was, was good away a little while back. Yeah. yeah, that's too strong for me in the morning. A little too sweet? Yeah, a little too sweet. You need something Although, that somewhat resembles healthiness? No, uh, that's not a thing for me. <laughs> um, but, uh, people put butter on Pop-Tarts. That's like a very popular thing. Butter? Yeah, it like enhances the flavor, kind of like salt on a, what? Uh, like a steak. Butter on yeah. Pop-Tarts? Yeah, try it. I've never... Try it. Ever and heard of that? I'm cutting off the crust on sandwiches and pop tarts now. I'm like the crust era for me is over. It took, on on pop tarts? On everything. It took 40 years. <laughs> pies? Yeah, no crust. Why would I eat the crust? Because the crust sometimes is the best thing on a pie. No, the crust is the worst part. It's oh. too dry. Oh, what kind of pies are you eating? I got to get you to the right not dry crust. I ate zero pies at Thanksgiving, man. <laughs> I left Thanksgiving night to get back for Friday work. I got snowed in here, basically. We got Pop-Tart mascots that are edible. Good grief. Welcome to 2023, folks. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. First down, got more! Aiden Robbins! 
What's Trending, presented by Tim Daly Nissan, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. I got a piece of key lime pie with delicious crust with your name on it very soon, okay? I, will, I, I cannot wait. I will do that for you. Yeah, let's go, baby. I would like to do that for all of the BYU football players, too. I know that they're down. They're not in a bowl game, and head coach Kalani Satake is already at work making moves on his staff. It has been reported, notably by the Deseret News and the Salt Lake Tribune, that offensive line coach Daryl Funk and tight ends coach Steve Clark will not return to BYU for the 2024 college football season. So, Jerem, with already two staff members on their way out, what's your reaction to those specific changes and what it could mean for potential other moves within, within the BYU football staff? Can't speak to the other moves, uh, but it's rare to keep an entire staff from year to year. Just keep that in mind. And uh, change is inevitable. It happens more often than you'd think. If you're super successful, people get plucked. Uh, if you're, you underachieve, people get let go. That's what happens. In this case, two changes have happened. Offensive line really struggled this year. They did discover more of a run game uh, in the last two games. They passed protected well enough most of the year. But it felt like, you know, halfway through, that was probably going to be a change that was pacing to happen. So not shocked uh, with the Daryl Funk move. A little bit surprised on the Steve Clark move with the, as tight ends coach there. Um, you know, I, I, I would gander that running backs in Harvey Unga was looked at closely, but I think in the last two games maybe that saved uh, Harvey's job with the way they were able to move the ball a little bit better. Tight ends probably underperformed uh, when all was said and done. Isaac Rex second on the team in catches in yards, thirds in TD catches, but, like, who else did anything? Yeah. Um, Ethan Erickson had two grabs for 24 yards. Ray Paulo and, and Matava Tase, when they came in, it looked like a run play most of the time. Uh, BYU ran the ball pretty well. Uh, second half against Sam Houston, the OU game, and first half against OSU. Outside of that, didn't really feel like BYU had much of a run game. And the, so these are the decisions that uh, Kalani Satake has, has taken, and that's looking from the outside in, of course. We don't see what happens in the room regarding accountability, attitude, cohesion, so on and so forth. So, um, yeah, it's part of a big sequence here, Spence, of the next month where – You've got two staff hirings now, seniors choosing to stare go with the uh, COVID year, like a guy like Ryan Rico and Tyler Batty and so sure. on. They can come back if they want, but they've been here a hot minute. And, uh, you know, is their stock high enough to go or not? Rico's got a nice draft profile now. Yeah. Um, you know, transfer portal opens Monday, closes January 2nd. The early signing period out of high school is December 20th through the 22nd. So we've got a big couple of weeks here uh, in terms of all kinds of potential changes. Remember, BYU found its running backs the last couple of years Sure. in this time frame, Chris Brooks and then Naden Robbins and so forth. So prepare yourself for potentially an eventful December. Coaching is just by nature a very volatile business. And if you're the head coach or one of the coordinators, typically you make really good money. And so because you do get paid so much, the expectations are always high everywhere you go for every team. And it just creates a really volatile atmosphere. You never like to see position coaches who are not paid as well become, and, I, and I'm hesitant to use this term, but I, I can't think of another term. There are fall guys. You know, it just sometimes those are the guys that, whether they deserve it or not, they take the brunt of it. Uh, the offensive line, to your point, like they did not perform nearly up to speed. And they, they were not as good as we thought they were going to be. They'll tell you that they were not as good as they thought they were going to be. Uh, and, in fact, I, I know Daryl Funk, and I, I'm sure that he would echo the same. Like, they just underperformed this year. And so the writing on the wall for that position was out early. 
Like that one doesn't shock me at all. The Steve Clark decision, I, I was a little surprised by. I thought maybe he would stick around for one more year. But again, to your point, the tight ends outside of Isaac Rex were not productive. I mean, and it's not just a one-year thing. You look back over the last two years, the tight ends just have not been what they were between 2019 and 2021 when they were thriving. But how much does that have to do with Zach Wilson and how the offense was called because of Zach Wilson or Jaron Hall? And how much does Tyler Algier factor into that, opening things up for the tight end? And This is Brigham. You can right. throw to the tight end. This is BYU. I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. little surprise there. Everybody, I mean, after the news came out, like my text messages were immediately, well, who are they going to hire now? Who are they going to hire now? And I have been told, like, I'll, I'll give you this much. I've been told that BYU is going to, quote unquote, be very ambitious in who they look to fill, specifically the offensive line position job with. Jeff Graham is available. Okay. If, if he would want to come back as a not coordinator. I don't know about the tight ends coach position. Ryan Pugh, question mark? All I know is that they will take, they've said, we're going to take an ambitious approach. And so, yeah, you bring up, you bring up I, some names. I, I would love for them to say, you know what we're not going to do? Be ambitious with this. Of well, course they are. Well, they're always ambitious, but they're limited. Like, what, what they mean by that, let me clarify, is there's more money. We're going to pay somebody. There's more money to go and get somebody that is higher profile. You're a Power 5 team now. If you're not doing that, That's what are you exactly doing? right. What are you doing? So the, the question that came fine is, well, who are you going to get? And, I, and all, I, all I was told was, we're going to be ambitious with how we pay these position coaches. Like, there's I, more money there to go and get somebody that's I a want, higher profile. I want someone to be hired and be like, we're going to take a more passive, slow approach to things. We're going to not be aggressive. Of course they are. Well, yeah. yes, you can be aggressive, but are. You, you're limited. And BYU has been limited. So this is new territory for them. They are a Power 5 team. The there choice, is more money being allocated for these type of positions. It's, it's never happened before. It's your choice to be limited or not. Well, now you have the money and the freedom to do so. Is that not the case? I mean, isn't that a natural course of being added to the Power 5 position? Is You, you have you, more money to work with? You can do – that's your choice. Yeah. Well, for whatever reason, BYU has been in those limited boxes forever, and now they're saying we're going to step out of that box. We're going to be a little more ambitious with who BYU could potentially go get. You mentioned three names. Jeff Grimes, uh, the UTEP head coaching job is open. I wouldn't be shocked to see him become the head coach at where he played college ball at the University of Texas El Paso. So that feels like a reach to me right now, but why not shoot your shot with that? Yeah, and I don't know if you'd want to come back to not be a coordinator. Exactly. When he was a coordinator. Maybe he's the run game coordinator and the offensive line coach, and that brings a different pay scale. I don't know. know. Ryan Pugh's at Abilene Christian. He's been here before. He was a a Grimes disciple. BYU loved him. Garrett Tujay's a name that popped up, but he's with NC State, and they're having a good season. NC State's like quietly 9-3 and right now. So would he leave NC State and Robert and I as good buddy, who's the offensive coordinator there? So those are three names. But, but NC State, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> Got him in Vegas <laughs> in basketball. All right. Uh, that is the situation. What do you think? Our question of the day is this. Daryl Funk and Steve Clark will not be returning, as we just mentioned, for the 2024 season. So what's your reaction to these coaching changes? Dennis Johnson on X says, I didn't see Clark coming. But a seven-year run as a position coach in the same role is a long one, truth, and change inevitably happens. Fresh voices, ideas can make a difference. All right. Greg Rosenhan on X. The offensive line needed a change. Bad performance this year. Lost the Barrington brothers. Change is good. Yeah, change can incite some really, really good things. Here's the one thing I hope It wasn't just the Barrington brothers that were lost, by the way. It's true. Whoever the coach is, 
specifically on the offensive line, that feels like the perfect place to implement an accountability coach, a guy that's going to be more of the mindset of Jay Hill. Like the offensive staff needs an accountability guy, like a fiery accountability dude, because that dude just wasn't there. And I think they would benefit from that. They had that dynamic mixed in with the personalities of Fessy Satake and Aaron Roderick. I, like Jeff Grimes filled that role. Jeff Grimes was the accountability guy. I'm hoping BYU hires somebody like that. That has the right amount of intimidation. Right? Like Jay Hill, I they talked have to the to be tall. No, they don't have to be tall. Just bigger. The, the right amount of intimidation like that demands the respect, right? You're almost a little scared of them. I kind of want that for the offensive staff. So they have to be at least 6'3", 250. Okay. <laughs> Topic two. Men's hoops, number 19 in the AP poll. How much better, better will it get for BYU? I spent a lot of time going down this rabbit hole yesterday looking at what's ahead for BYU specifically in the non-conference based on the Ken Pomeroy ratings. Yep. And based in the seven remaining non-conference games, BYU is given a 94% chance or better in six of those seven games to beat the likes of Fresno State, Evansville, Denver, Georgia State, Bellarmine, and Wyoming. Utah's the tricky one. At Utah, the Utes are a top 50 Ken Palm team after a win at St. Mary's last night. BYU is given a 61% chance to win that game in Salt Lake City. ESPN has the opposite, by the way. Realistically, 12-1 and in non-conference feels like... It, that could very well happen for BYU. Totally. But at 12-1, and 1, I don't know that BYU is better than where they are right now at number 19. Because if you win two more games, you beat Fresno State, you beat Evansville. Who are you beating that helps you climb much? Maybe they drop up one spot, but like you have to beat Utah. If BYU ran non-conference undefeated, they would go in to Big 12 play probably as a top 12 team. They'd be number 12, at least number 12, if you're 13-0, and 0, opening up against Cincinnati at the Marriott Center Which in you, Big 12 play. That's a game you should win at home. <laughs> like, that's perhaps the most, the second most winnable home game. Cincinnati is 30, 36 in Ken Palm, by like, the way. Yeah, BYU's 10, so BYU should win, right? But, like, that's, that's a game. UCF is a game that I hope BYU wins in both when they play. Um, I have a hard time remembering who they play both. Because uh, there's so, this. It's all over the place. Yes, I just know that Kansas is not coming here. But um, yeah, it can get a little bit better. Like, I think if BYU goes to 12 and 1, yeah, they climb up and, and whatnot. Depends on the health of Foose. Like, if Foose yes. is available, you know, may, maybe Foose, if he, ha- we don't know yet, if he has to miss the Fresno State game, but he comes back Tuesday against Evansville or whatever, you can win a couple of games without him. But you need Foose at Utah. You need him to go up against Brandon Carlson like, and, and Gabe Madsen. Like, good players. If Foose is there, and if Ali Khalifa gets healthy or, or some combination in the Tiki, right, then you're good. By the way, that situation with the Tiki, not a fight, not deemed a fight. So it's not, hey, if you do it again, you're out for the season. I don't know how that's not a fight, but oh. I'm glad it's not. So we good. It depends on the health of the front court because you don't have a lot of depth there, and you have two guys that are kind of banged up. If yeah. BYU can have at least Foose or Khalifa constantly – with the Tiki, then you're good. And you frankly, Noah Waterman has played more of a bigger role, rebounding, physicality. Like, if Foose is not available, then, then you throw yes, Noah into the but mix I don't defensively want, there. I don't want Noah to be a five. I want Noah to be a four. Like, <sighs> if Noah has to play the five, you're in trouble. Not because, not because of Noah. I'm just saying because of matchups defensively. Because yeah. I want Noah to drag the guy out and shoot threes and open the lane. BYU's 4-1 offense has been awesome. So let's say hypothetically, no three to me. Let, let's say hypothetically, Foos is out for a month. And again, I don't know. I'm this total total speculation. If he was out a month, BYU that'd be trouble. Okay, that'd be trouble. I still think BYU is good enough to go twelve and one, 
in the non-conference Probably. if Boos is out for a month, based on where the games happen and who the opponents are. Beard does not leave the state of Utah until January 9th, Exactly. By the way. Exactly. Baylor. This is a St. Mary's portion yes. of the schedule, and I love Randy it. Randy Bennett knew what he was doing, apparently. I love it. BYU, no, BYU tested itself, right? <laughs> they hosted San Diego State. And they went, went to, to Vegas, Vegas and yeah. played Arizona State and NC State. Yeah, Vegas. That's like out of the state, right? At Utah's a tough game. But even, even if Foose is not available for the majority of yeah. the remainder of the non-conference schedule, BYU is still good enough and deep enough to go 12-1. and one. The way they're playing right now, you feel certainly confident that, that could be the case, if not 13. Ah, Got to have him back for conference play, though. Oh, my oh, yeah. goodness. No, no, no. Obviously, conference play is going to be a challenge that I'm looking forward to even more than we were a few weeks ago. Whew. How much better can it realistically get? Man, 13-0 on non-con, that would be something. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be something. I'd take 11-2, bro. Like 12-1, 13-0. feels like a reality. That's yeah. awesome. Our twofer Tuesday question of the day, your Finally. request was answered. Finally. The twofer F-E-R, was answered. This is Utah. This is how we speak. Second is this. BYU men's basketball number 19 in the latest AP poll. You've heard our opinions. How much better will it realistically get for the Cougars this season? Brendan Smith on X answers. If BYU beats Utah and Cincinnati <laughs> and win the remainder of the non-conference and go 14-0, BYU could inch their way into the top 10. Absolutely, that this could happen. possibility yes. is real. You're already number 19. If you win eight games in a row from this point, including a win at Utah and a win over Cincinnati and Provo. And you stay Ken Palm. You keep 15, those metrics going. 20. Yeah, you're a yeah. top 10 team yeah. in going to Baylor on January 9th. In a top 10 matchup, oh. you're expected to compete in a way that we did not think before. Brendan continues. That would be huge <laughs> as BYU heads to Baylor yeah. for, yeah, yeah, you mentioned what could be yeah. I still a, the top 10 matchup. Wow. Daniel Rigby on X says, great sign so far, but I yeah. do worry about the lack of depth in the front court yeah. when BYU gets into conference play. Need to be healthy. And at that point, hopefully you have Dawson Baker and what kind of dynamic does he bring? Because he only adds. I don't think he takes away in any way, shape, or form. I think he just adds to an already cohesive, amazing group. It's just like, how do you fit in here and how sure. do you not disrupt what's already going on with your unique skill set? With the ball in your hand. Yeah, you need them all. And maybe, that, all. maybe yeah. that impacts a, a few of the minutes of a guy like Trey Stewart when Dawson Baker gets back involved. I don't know. Could be, yeah. I don't know. But Trey, to his Trey's credit, shooting well. to his credit, has filled an important role and has been a great defender. Like, who's not playing well for BYU men's basketball right now? Everybody's playing well. Like, it is so fun to watch. Check out after further review tonight, 7 Eastern on the BYU TV app and ESPN+. Plus. It is the season finale of the program as they recap what happened at Oklahoma State. Almost had him in double OT. Up next, we discuss the latest coaching changes with former Cougar David Nixon as we look back on BYU's first season in the Big 12. <laughs> what is happening on the screen right now? This is BYU Sports Nation. <laughs> BYU Sports Nation is sponsored by the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. Talent is there. The size, the speed, skill set, that's all there. And what they've learned and what they've gathered will push them over the edge to get these wins. I can build off of guys that want to be here and want to work hard and want to fight. They'll keep fighting, we'll keep working, and we'll get better. We are live in studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Coaching changes already happening as the Cougars move into the offseason. Earlier today, Jerem Jordan had a chance to speak with a member of our wheelhouse, a guy who, let's not forget, played four years in the NFL. All-time great at BYU. I knew that, yeah, Um, and he played on the mountain. We talked about that. Uh, (laughs) We talked about coaching changes, his nephews in the portal, 
And, of course, Jake Retzloff. Has she shown enough to be the guy going in the offseason, or should BYU also bring in a transfer? Here's my conversation with David. All right, David, a couple of changes coming uh, out of the coaching staff yesterday. Offensive line coach uh, Daryl Funk and tight ends coach Steve Clark will not return. What's your reaction to those two coaching changes? You know, it's tough. It's always tough when you lose coaches, right? I mean, Steve Clark, he was there when I was at BYU, a fantastic guy. Um, I mean, great coach as well, you know, but at the end of the day, this is a results-driven business, and um, the tight ends underperformed this year, and yes, there were some injuries. Uh, offensive line struggled, as we know, um, you know, mainly in the run game. They had some games where they actually blocked pretty well in the pass game, but the run game was almost non-existent, and so uh, obviously, you know, A-Rod and, and Kalani felt like those were the moves that need to be made, and so uh, they moved forward with them, but uh, it's it's always tough because those guys are BYU guys and, uh, you know, they were part of the program. But uh, I, I think specifically the offensive line will be really interesting to backfill that with somebody that's going to come in and hopefully help take off some of the pressure off A-Rod's shoulders and kind of be the run game coordinator and, and be that guy that whenever it's third and two uh, or, frankly, second and ten and you need a good run play, uh, A-Rod can call him up on the on the uh, headset, talk to him on the headset and say, hey, wh- what are we going with? And he'll have, uh, he'll have some plays dialed up and ready. So um, I, I think that will be a huge plus for this team moving forward is somebody that can really handle that run game. Um, and then, of course, try to work with this offensive line. There's going to be some turnover on this offensive line this year. Uh, can you go out and get some guys, whether it's in the portal uh, or, or develop the young guys that are already there uh, and try to make this offensive line much, much better because it, it was it was pretty rough this year. To me, it's a pipe dream, but Jeff Grimes is available, and uh, he's a former coordinator here. Would he want to come back and just do the O-line? I don't know, uh, but we know that he coaches the O-line pretty well, and uh, he did that a few years ago. So we'll see who BYU fills with those two spots. Um, do you expect any other coaching changes potentially? Should there be uh, anything else, or, or what do you expect? You know, I think it'll obviously depend on who they hire as O-line coach and this run game coordinator. And maybe, maybe he feels like there needs to be another move made or so. I don't know. Obviously, leave it up to him. Um, I, I think the coaches that are that are still there with uh, really Fessy and Harvey, um, you know, I, I think they're obviously very capable coaches. And, uh, you know, I know both of them really well. And, and I think they've they've done a great job. Look at what Harvey's done with, by bringing in Aiden Robbins. Um, they brought Ryden Brooks last year. I mean, there's he's done some great things with that running back room. Um, and he dealt with some injuries this year as well. They didn't being injured almost half the season, right? And could get an LJ who was a true freshman ready to play. So kudos to um, Harvey there. And then, of course, Fessy on the, on the receiver side of things, there was injuries there as well. And you don't have Keanu Hill. You don't have Cody Epps. And so you're trying to develop Laster and Marion and some of these other guys and get him to plug in. I'll tell you what, you go, you go back and start thinking about the injuries this year, especially on the offensive side of the ball. There wasn't a lot of continuity there. You talk about offensive line as well. The guys were kind of banged up coming in now. And I get it. That's all of football. Uh, but it seemed like this year, more than ever, the, the main contributors, especially going into the season, the guys who you thought were going to be uh, the guys and, and Keanu Hill and Cody Epps, you know, they were they were banged up for the majority of the season. And so, um, you know, those coaches, it was they, they had their work cut out for them this year, trying to get those guys ready. And I, I think for the most part, um, you know, the, you look at the running backs, my receivers, I think they were ready. I think, I think a lot of it falls on the offensive line and just a lack of running game and getting any type of surge and push, which actually we saw there in the last two games finally. They started to turn it back around. So who knows? That's, that's going to be obviously a huge emphasis going to the offseason. Certainly those last two games uh, helped Harvey Yunga and the running backs in that regard where they had a run game at the end. Let's talk about the quarterback with Jake Retzloff. Did you see enough from him in the final four games? Tough games against two, three, four, fifth-place teams in the Big 12. 
for him to be the guy going into the offseason? And or do you expect BYU to add a transfer regardless of that position? So I'm torn on this one. Uh, listen, you can't hide the mistakes that Jake made, and they were they were terminal. Right? They, they were lethal turnovers. Uh, you can look back at the pick six against Oklahoma, et cetera. I, listen, I like what I saw from him. I think he's a, he makes plays, and he's a gamer. And, and you can't and you can't discredit the fact that he's still young and he was still new to this offense. Um, but you know, ultimately, to your second question, yeah, I think you've got to go find another senior uh, type type guy. And it didn't have to be necessarily a senior one and done. I know Kalani had mentioned he does he does not want to do that again. But go find a more veteran quarterback that can help Jake um, and also push him because maybe Jake is the best quarterback. Uh, and, and I don't think it's time to just push him aside, right? I mean, this is a guy who, depending on what the happens with the portal, maybe he has to be your guy. Maybe BYU doesn't have too many other options. Um, and so I don't think we we discredit him or just push him aside, but uh, I do think a, a, a more veteran quarterback that can help push him and, and, and coach him along, I think that's a huge plus. Um, but I, I, like, I like Jake. I mean, yes, his throwing motion is unorthodox, um, and he made some mistakes. He also did some great things in the run game. He got the run game going, which I, I think was a tribute to him and his dual threat and the ability to, to, kind of, to make things happen with his legs. So I think if he can go in the offseason and continue to learn and, and go back and watch the film and say, I can't, I, we can't shoot ourselves on the foot like that. I can't just give up three points and turn the ball over. I got to protect the ball. Um, once again, we always talk about this, John Beck, Max Hall, those guys, they had some growing pains as well, right? I mean, all these young quarterbacks have growing pains. And I think Jake um, is in that same boat. I mean, he'll get better. And to your point, it was tough to kind of break him in with the toughest part of BYU's schedule, right? So you got to give him some flack there. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm curious to see kind of what happens. But I think adding another quarterback in this day and age, especially with the quarterbacks getting hurt, look at BYU. Keaton Slovis gets injured and you had to play Jake. So, uh, yeah, I, I think – I think adding another guy is probably uh, needs to be done. Lest we forget, he only played in the last four, which means he redshirted. So he still has two more years to play at uh, BYU, which is wild. Okay, let's ask you about your nephews. Uh, Michael and John Henry Daly have entered the portal. Certainly we're hoping to see them as BYU Cougars and be the next David Nixon, but unfortunately they're, uh, they're going to move on and go elsewhere. Yeah, that's a, listen, it was a tough decision for them. Uh, it's been a tough one for our whole family, right? I and mean, these kids grew up huge BYU fans watching all of us play. Um, ultimately, just feel like they want to get a different opportunity elsewhere. So uh, we're excited for them to see where they land. Uh, obviously, wish they would have stayed at BYU, but uh, that was in the cards. And so we support them 100%. We're, we're excited to see where they go. But, uh, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. But they're both great players, and I think they're going to both have a bright future ahead of them. Um, Kalani was great about it and uh, wishing the best as well. And so, uh, you know, that's that's the day of uh, – that's how college football is these days with the transfer portal. You just – there's a lot of fluidity there, and uh, you know, it gives kids another opportunity to, to to go explore other options. So, we'll see what happens. It is a different era, that's for sure. We're talking to David Nixon, who was a little fuzzy as you watched him on the mountain back when he played. Uh, but the the quality on Zoom is now better than when you actually played on versus on the mountain, which is crazy. Um, do you think you would have been drafted if you had played on ESPN? By the way, I'd have been the number one pick overall. Get out if, of here. Uh, if, if, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I we joke about it all the time. The whole the, the the fact that when we played on versus was like a massive step up because we were actually on HD for that week. <laughs> that shows you how long ago I played. That's that's how desperate we were to to get exposure there. Is whenever we played versus, we're like, hey, we're stepping up to the big leagues now. Like we're on versus this week, guys, get ready. Uh, but uh, thank goodness those days are in the past for sure. I think Versus is a hunting channel now or something. I don't even know if it still exists. The mountain I'm shocked it still exists. Right? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't actually know that. Um, it's not on my YouTube 
TV list, so whatever. Okay, yeah. defensively, where does BYU need to address and put its resources the most on that side of the ball? Man, that's a great question. I feel like every position group had some weaknesses. Uh, and once again, injuries bit them as well. But I've been preaching this for every offseason for the last three or four or five offseasons. BYU has to get better at the defensive line. And I know that that's Jay Hill's emphasis going this offseason as well. He he needs to get his dues there. And I know they've got some good, uh, you know, recruits are looking at some good JUCO transfers. Um, but that, they've got to find a way to shore up that D-line. And, and listen, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the guys that are here that decide to come back. Um, or not, but uh, that, that it all starts with the D-line, especially in this type of defense. Like, you go back and watch that West Virginia game, TCU game, um, you know, Iowa State, where, where Iowa State and really West Virginia ran the ball at will against BYU. It all starts with that D-line. They've got to be more stout at the point of contact, and you've got to get dudes that can run your system. And and, I, and I'll give Jay Hill and his defensive coaching staff a pass this year because they kind of came in and inherited the guys that were already here. Uh, but, you know, moving forward, they've got to go find a way to get their guys and, and, and get the guys to perform to, to what they want in their system. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a grind. I mean, that, that's what Big 12 is all about. It's going to be a grind year in and year out. And this year, the BYU defenses could not stop the run in critical times, and they came back to bite them. And so this offseason, they got to shore that up. Linebackers, I think BYU has a great, you know, young nucleus of linebackers. Um, I, I would like to see probably some more veteran guys come in, kind of like what BYU did with A.J. Babachan this year and brought him in. He was a fantastic addition to that linebacker room. Um, and then safety-wise, the secondary, you know, I like Talon Alfrey when he was healthy, what he brought to the table, getting Micah Harper back, got some young corners. It's going to be hard to miss Eddie Heckard and Garrett. Um, so, you know, there's going to be some turnover. But as there is every year with guys, you just next man up and – and a lot of these young guys have been waiting their time, right? They've been waiting for their chance opportunity. And so now's their time to shine. Uh, you know, officially starts really yesterday and today. This is the start of a new season for these guys because there's no bowl game. So now's the time to start grinding. The last after further review of the season is tonight at 7 Eastern time. What can fans expect? I mean, the same thing every week. We're, we're, we're going to tell it like it is, right? I mean, we're going to try and show the great things BYU did, but also the not so great things. And, uh, it's uh, listen. It's a. I think it's a fun show for us. It hopefully is a fun show for the fans to kind of take take a look at. You know, for example, on West Virginia, why BYU couldn't stop the run, and we tried to break it down and tell you why. So we'll do the same thing today. Uh, why BYU is so stagnant there in the second half, which was unfortunate uh, offensively. But uh, yeah, it's it's the last one, which is I'm honestly crazy. I think that this season is done. I, I it's, it flew by in a, in a in a quick flash. It's always fun. Even when BYU goes 5-7, and seven, we enjoy every moment, and we look forward to the offseason, which is now upon us. David, we appreciate the time. Awesome. Thanks, Jeremy. David Nixon, check out women's basketball tonight at Wyoming, a phrase that we don't need to say in the future anymore, but we will tonight and in football next year. 8.30 Eastern on BYU Radio with Shep. And as I look at bracketology, I wonder how many games would BYU men's basketball need to win this season to earn a top eight seed in the NCAA tournament? I'll tell you exactly what it's been the last few years. All part of the whip next on BYU Sports Nation. Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Make sure to follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day like Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Jerem. How about your Tuesday headlines? Let's do this. Thumbs up. Let's do this. Leroy Jenkins. Yes. Multiple reports uh, have BYU letting go of offensive line coach Daryl Funk, tight ends coach Steve Clark yesterday. Also Michael Daly 
A sophomore defensive end announced he is entering the transfer portal day. They played in five games, did not record a tackle. If you're going to reference Leroy Jenkins, you need to say Jenkins. Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> BYU men's basketball enters the AP poll at number 19. Riding the wave of a 6-0 start to the season, this marks the first time BYU has been ranked since December 6th of 2021. It's been two years. Cougars are one of six Big 12 teams ranked in the top 25 right now. Also, ESPN's Joe Lenardi has BYU as an eight seed yeah. in his latest bracketology. Up next for the Cougars, neutral site showdown, Fresno State at the home of the Utah Jazz, the Delta Center, this Friday night. Women's basketball, 6-0 as well. Plays at Wyoming tonight. Again, I'm not sure why. At 8.30 Eastern on BYU Radio. Also, Kaylee Wolston, the Big 12 freshman of the week, again, after averaging 18.5 a game, shooting 75% from three last week. Amazing. 59% from three on the season. BYU women's soccer, specifically Bella Foligno, named the College Soccer News National Player of the Week after scoring two goals for the Cougars in that dramatic, improbable, incredible 4-3 win in the Elite over North Carolina. She scored BYU's first goal in the 61st minute, opened the floodgates, had the game-tying goal in the 82nd minute. She also got engaged last week. Felino and the Cougars play Stanford in the College Cup semifinals on Friday. And Kyrus Tonger recorded a quarterback hit for the Vikings in a 12-10 loss to the Bears. Awful Monday Night Football. Those are today's headlines. Now let's whip it. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Speaking of the game. Josh Dobbs threw four picks, and the Vikings lost to the Bears yesterday. Do you think Jaron Hall will get another shot as starting quarterback for the Vikings? If Josh Dobbs has another three or four interception game, absolutely. But it's going to take something like that. Every quarterback's entitled to one just awful game. And you know what's crazy? The Vikings still almost won because he threw a touchdown pass late after all of that. So he's got enough stock right now. But if he has another three or four interception game, then just maybe O'Connell says, okay, Jaron Hall, you're due up. Agreed. The Jets could use Josh Dobbs. Yes, they could. They certainly <laughs> he just, he just could. just looks like a sport. Plug and play. <laughs> Joe Lenardi, as we mentioned, has BYU as an eight seed in his latest bracketology. Jerem, how many wins does BYU need to secure, inevitably, an eight seed in not just Joe Lenardi's bracket, but in the actual bracket? I looked up last year and the year before that. Uh, last year, the average wins of the eight seeds were 21 and a half. You're okay. 23.8. If you just look at the Power Six, because you include the Big East. Sure. No Pac-12 next year. That goes back to Power Five. An eight seed, you need 21 wins on average the last two years as a P6 team to get an eight seed exactly. Okay. So 21. 21 so is the number. Fi- only 15 more. 15 more wins. Beat, hey, go 13-0 and in non-con. You need seven regular season conference wins and then one in the tourney? Yeah. All right. Doable. It is go. doable. I- I'm I'm weirded out by this this next one. Yeah. Uh, Utah beat St. Mary's last night in men's basketball, 78-71. Yeah. Who are you rooting for? I was hoping for an all-out brawl where they're both disqualified. <laughs> Is that bad? <laughs> I, can both lose? I, I don't No, I don't want either to win. Like, initially, when I, when I heard that they were playing, I looked at the <laughs> score and saw Utah was up 12, and I was like, ah. Maybe I want St. Mary's to win. And I was like, no. no. I, want, I want Utah to bring in some cachet to the game they have with BYU. I want Utah to win the remainder of the games until then they take the win on BYU. Means more than then it means absolutely. Then it means way more. I have a hard time rooting for Utah independent of who they're playing. I, it just, that's just how I feel. I'm not trying to hide that at all. Do you, is it harder for you to root for Utah or St. Mary's? Uh, Utah. Yeah. Straight I, up. I've uh, barely known. <laughs> 
<laughs> There's a lot more history there, obviously, with that team in there. Yeah. Oh, I, no, no one is faulting you for that at all. No, 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 no. You, you know your audience. Of next, one of the catalysts for the very red-hot start to the BYU men's basketball season. Noah Waterman joins us next in Studio B. Noah, for three, it's happened a bunch. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Always nice to see a 6'11 guy look so fluid with the Euro step yeah, right Euro there. Yeah, Euro in the lane. And, and then the bench oh, reaction after. Everybody yeah. doing this on yeah. the bench after. Covered like eight feet wide. <laughs> it was awesome. Welcome back to BYU Sports Station. We are live in Studio B. The man who produced that highlight and has produced a ton of highlights for BYU as they're off to their 6-0 start this season is Noah Waterman. Noah, welcome to BYU. Oh, man. Say, man. Good to talk to you again. How you guys doing? Hey, we're good. We're not as good as you guys, though. Hello, yeah. And you. You guys are playing great, man. What's it been like so far? Uh, it's been super nice. You know, we put in a lot of work, so it's kind of just showing. I think everybody's trying to figure out what happened for you individually because you look like a totally different player. Your confidence is through the roof. You're making a ton of threes, and you're physical, Noah. Like, you, like what, what changed uh, in the offseason? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, a lot of hours in the gym, for real. Uh, we had a lot of hard summer workouts. And my emphasis was just, like, focusing on defense and not letting uh, my offense affect my defense. So I feel like me just focusing on my rebounding and playing defense really just rolls over to the offensive end. So um, I think that's the main thing, but mostly a lot of hours in the gym. We've always thought you could shoot, and now they're going in more. But that's interesting, that relationship you described. Does it just take time sometimes, like being at BYU for a full year? It's like, okay. I know exactly what my sort of role is and how I can maximize my skills. Uh, yeah, definitely. When I first got here last year, uh, it's always hard to find, like, uh, your place in a new team and you're lear- learning a new system, uh, just trying to adjust. Uh, especially for me, it was kind of hard for me to adjust the first year. Um, so I really let my highs take me really high and my lows take me really low. Um, so I had to learn how to just uh, stay neutral. Sure. Um, but, yeah. Had to moderate that. That's a very mature answer. Again, your growth, Noah. Like, you are, you are the example of growth here. I keep hearing, and you've mentioned this too, but you and a bunch of your team has talked about the benefits of the European trip and, and how it helped this team get off to the right start. What, why was that so beneficial? Um, well, first off, we played against, like, a lot of pro teams. So just that, uh, just playing against that competition over in Europe uh, just helped the team overall. Uh, but I think the main thing that helped us was just, like, the team chemistry and, like, doing all these team bonding activities uh, because having a good team on the court, you got to have a good relationship off the court. Um, so just being there for 10 days, uh, always with all the guys going on ski and having a great time, uh, it just built our relationship off the court, and it's really showing on the court. Who knew, like, gelato and jumping off of boats could really translate to free <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, it's been awesome. Um, uh, the, the fact that you guys are so connected and kind of trust each other and understand roles has been really impressive. Because you haven't heard, you know, Dallin Hall, who didn't start initially due to injury, and now Jackson Robinson's the leading returning scorer. He's coming off the bench. Like, no one's complaining about you guys. That second unit's really good. Everyone kind of understands their spot. Like, 
what's it like to play on this team right now where everybody seems to trust each other? Yeah, I mean, it's super nice. And I think to have a good team, you've got to have trust. So it's like, me, I have no doubt. If I drive the rock and I kick the three dispense, I have no doubt the ball is going in. So that's what I feel like is really helping our team because everybody just believes in each other. Um, and having that belief in each other is really just helping us win. And when Mark and Cody and Nick and, and Cahill and Colin are like, hey, we're going to shoot 35 threes a game, do your ears perk up a little bit? Oh, I mean, I love shooting, so 100%. <laughs> you guys have stuck to that pretty well. You're getting up the numbers you want there, and you're making a ton too. Mm-hmm. This is one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country right now. No, yeah, definitely, definitely. Noah Waterman is with us on BYU Sports Nation, 6'11", sharpshooter, and a guy who's playing some serious defense right now. Another kind of mystery about this team is the core is back, and we're looking at a BYU team last year that finished fifth in the West Coast Conference and didn't get into postseason play. So I think everybody's trying to figure out, well, is it like a a massive scheme change? Like you mentioned a lot of hours in the gym, but how different is the approach on the floor as to what you're trying to do X's and O's wise compared to what it was last year? Or are you just better at executing what the plan was last year? Uh, I think everybody grew, grew in confidence. Uh, definitely like Trey. Trey's grown a ton, uh, and you can see him on the court. He's killing it. Um, but everybody is just a lot more confident, and as I said before, like we just trust each other. Uh, we did ch- implement like a couple new things. Like We wedge a lot, so we're shooting a lot of threes. Sure. Um, but we have this new thing where everybody's crashing the offensive glass and wedging. So if we miss a three, which we haven't lately, but um, <laughs> <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get the offensive rebound and get a second chance. So yeah. that's like a, a main difference from last year. Great insight. What do you feel like you guys are doing the best right now? Because there's a lot going well. Um, I'm going to say our defense. I think everything starts with our defensive end because um, sometimes we start off slow on the offensive end, but we're just not letting the other, other team score. Arizona um, State was a good example of that. Exactly. So yeah. um, I think if we just keep, our, keep up our defense, uh, we're a really special team. Everyone wants to say and, and do this, but like uh, get old and stay old and grow together, but this team is actually that. Like I've never – I hate the narrative of BYU has these old players and blah, blah, blah. But this year, it's actually an advantage. Like Spencer Johnson being the oldest player in college basketball and Trevin Nell, who's made a tremendous impact on this team, is number three. What role have those guys specifically played in sort of the, hey, we're experienced here and we can do this together? Uh, Yeah, Uh, a lot of times when we're like frustrated and we go into the locker room, uh, Spencer's always like the first person to stand up and talk to us and uh, try to get us out of the other statesman. Yeah, literally. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, so just leadership, uh, 100%. Uh, Spence is really passing the ball super well, like getting everybody um, involved. Uh, so that's big. But then, yeah, just the leadership role. And, and who knew that, I mean, Ali Khalifa is the one like new guy, essentially. Dawson Baker will be the second. Trevin technically is newish because he didn't play on the team last year, but like, what kind of difference has he made specifically? We're seeing him make threes and whatnot, but it feels like this team is very different, and and there's not a lot of new pieces here. Yeah, I mean, everybody knows Trev. Like, you can't give him any space, or he's gonna shoot it. He's the he's, shot doctor. Yeah, even if he doesn't have space, he's still gonna shoot it and make it. So, um, <laughs> so it's big time for him. He really helps us space the floor. Uh, it's like because they can't come off him, so it helps Dalen and. And Jax, when they're driving, there's no gap. Uh, so just having him out on the floor, even if he's not getting shots, it just helps our team so much. I was laughing so hard when was the Arizona State continued to press, and then you just kept banging threes. I was like, "What? You are should you probably doing? not press BYU <laughs> anymore. Exactly. Why are you, you doing probably this? Probably not do Keep that. Keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the NC State game specifically. 
so many parts of that game were very impressive because uh, your depth is being tested. Obviously, Atiki was not available for the altercation he had at the end of the Arizona State game. Foose is hurt, and again, we don't know his status and when he's going to come back. But Ali comes in. He hadn't practiced what felt like for three weeks, and he just, like, plug and play. He was so good. So let's say Foose isn't available for a little while, and, and your depth continues to be tested there. How does that change your role? For BYU? Um, so I think I'm going to have to play like a little five, which is fine with me. Um, as you said, like I've gotten a lot more physical. Shout out to my boy Wiz. Uh, Wiz has really developed us uh, in, the, in the weight room. Is that yeah. Michael Davey? Uh, is that, we, is that what you call yeah, him? Yeah, I Wiz? call him Wiz. Nice. So, like um, he's a wizard or something? He's a wizard. Okay. He's okay. definitely a wizard in the weight nice. room. So, um, yeah, so he's really helped me with that. Uh, but I think Ali, Ali is really going to have like a big role. Even you said he hasn't practiced in a little while, but he stepped into the NC State game and what, how many rebounds did he have? It was wild. Like he a couple dimes. great passes, dropping dimes for sure. Yeah, play. best passer in the country. That's hundred percent. But um, yeah, so he's definitely going to help us. Uh, and then Trip, Trip stepped up like tremendously mm-hmm. when he came in. He came in, gave us energy, and did his role exactly how he was supposed to. So. Big shout-out to him, too. Greatest mustache on campus right now. <laughs> you a one-tube sock, one-no-show guy? Is that, that the look? Yeah, Might yeah. be the look? Yeah, that's awesome. Well, good luck against Fresno State on Friday at the Delta Center. That's going to be a fun one. No, definitely. Because at the same time that's happening, women's soccer playing in the Final Four, women's volleyball in the NCAA tournament, we got a trio of amazing games. It's a big Friday night. No, yeah. definitely. Let's go. All the karma we can give you, go beat the Bulldogs, man. Yeah, appreciate it. Congratulations Thanks, on all your hard work, Noah. Hey, thank you. All right. Yay, okay, check out BYU Basketball with Mark Pope. Hey! First solo Pope show coming up Thursday night, 8.30 Eastern as the Cougs get ready for Fresno State. What a start. This team's ranked number 19 in the country. Noel Waterman doing work. Number 22 in offensive rating in the country, by the way. I'll be there for it. I'll ask Coach Pope about you, Noah. That's, what, that's a promise. Up next is BYU women's soccer and their come-from-behind win over North Carolina. The best comeback victory in BYU history. Or is it still the Miracle Bowl? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Take this to the big board. It's Top 5 Tuesday. And on the heels of an improbable win by women's soccer against North Carolina, naturally we thought, what are the top five comeback wins in BYU sports history? Start us off, Jerem. Number five, men's volleyball, UCLA. 2013 MPSF semifinals. BYU lost the first two sets at home. Won the third set, 25-18. In the third set, BYU was down 7-1. Came back to win that one, 26-24. And then triumphed 15-10 in the fifth. It's one of the best volleyball matches ever played in that gym. You're down 7-1 in a set. We thought it was over. Oh, man. Not to be. At number four, this happened rather recently. Kenneth Rooks. In the steeplechase, in the national final, if you will. Trips, falls, has to get up and chase everybody down, and he wins it as part of the NCAA Outdoor Championship. He also competed in the World Athletics Championships as well because of this win. That was the, the U.S. Championship, that race. That was unbelievable, right? Which, which was crazy. And uh, what a year for Kenneth Rooks, right? Unbelievable. Number three, men's basketball, 2012, Iona. You remember this one, right? BYU down by as many as 25 in the first half. Came back to win this thing. Noah Hartsock, Brandon Davis. This is the year after 2011 and Jim Fredette, right? 
Largest comeback in NCAA tournament history. How about that? Demarcus Harrison, Brock Zilstra. Let's go. That picture of Zilstra. That's iconic right there. Summed that's, it all up, baby. Iconic. At number two, what's it gonna be? It's what happened in the snow globe on Friday night. Number one seed BYU trailing North Carolina three to nothing. Bella Folino finally took the lid off of North Carolina's goal three to one in the 61st minute. Then Brecken Mazingo's Olympico followed like a minute later by Bella Folino's second goal to secure her brace to tie it at three. And then Olivia Wade Katoa with just a nasty touch and a rocket fire score into the right corner of the net. BYU wins four to three. Incredible. Real argument for that one to be like tied for first or better than number one, but I know that you agree with this, most of you. The Miracle Bowl, 1980, BYU's trailing late by 24 and uh, comes back to win. Like, unbelievable. You're down right? 20 with three minutes to play. 20 with four, three ish minutes left. BYU wins this game. The Hail Mary, of course, the block punt by Bill Shefflin. Clay Brown from Jim McMahon, super iconic. First bowl win in BYU history. Unbelievable. A lot of vibes from soccer where it's like, I turned it off and then I turned it on. I couldn't believe we won or I left or whatever. Yes. A lot of people I've heard similar vibes from that one where they're like, oh, I miss it. Incredible. And that Miracle Bowl win, I've said it before. Lavelle Edwards saying, it's the most pressure I've ever felt in a game that I've ever coached, even more than the national championship, that game. Because BYU couldn't win the bowl game. And it took yeah. that to win it. Oh, well, you're playing a six and five Michigan team, so let's pressure. Holy cow. Our two for Tuesday question of the day is this how much better will it realistically get for BYU men's basketball this season? Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated comes in from at two underscore six underscore SEMO on X who says Foose and Dallin Hall are two of the most indispensable players at their position. So if Foose can get healthy and Hall stays healthy, they can be great turning team with enough shooters to make a run. Oh yeah, when you got a bunch of shooters, anything is possible. When you 20, can shoot the 20, three, you showed us that. That's why BYU was like a Cinderella story, right? <sighs> Today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Bailey Wollstone, baller, Big 12 freshman of the week again. Second time shooting 59% from three. Our thanks to today's guest, David Nixon, and another sharpshooter, Noah Waterman. Started Dennis Pitt, we ran out of time. I played pickup with Dennis before. He fouled me a couple times. Ooh, feisty. That's where it begins. For Jerem, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Ambrosia Anderson. We'll see you tomorrow back here in Studio B. Go Cougs. Good lefty.